Hey, everybody, welcome to the Daily Objective. And we're going to be talking about a very hot topic right now, unfortunately, because of recent events, as tends to happen when there's a horrible uh, massacre. Uh, People start to debate gun ownership, gun rights, the Second Amendment, and so on. So uh, let's talk about it. Let's try to approach it from kind of a philosophical perspective. Uh, Please leave a like, make sure you're subscribed and hit that join button if you want to access special features, content and support the channel. I am here with a guy who uh, I don't know if he has any guns, but uh, I, he looks like he's got some, a couple of guns growing out of his shoulders. Uh, are he and I going to box? Well, I don't think we're in the same weight class. So unfortunately, I can't uh, I can't uh, answer that. Please welcome Mark Pellegrino. What's up, Rekka? Yes, I, yes, I do own guns. Oh, and, and you're a Californian. Indeed. All right. Well, watch out, everybody. Uh, so don't mess with this guy. Okay, so people treat gun rights like a fundamental <coughs> right. Now, I think uh, coming from this, from the objectivist perspective, uh, if there is a right to guns, it's, it's a derivative right. Same way, like the right to own a publishing company or, a pub, or to publish a book, it's, it's derivative. You have the right to free speech. That's like the fundamental right. And then like a, a printing press is derivative of that. So you have a right to like, to not have force exerted on you. Like you have a right to your body and property. And then if someone threatens that you, you have a right to defend yourself and perhaps guns are like a tool that like are, is derivative. Like the, the right to that tool is derivative from your right, from your more fundamental right. But people treat gun rights like the fundamental. They, they see like that is your life, your right to own any gun you want, or just that your right to guns is the fundamental. Do you, do you see, um, do you see what I'm getting at? And, do you agree with me that it that the right to guns is derivative? Yes, I think the right to, to guns is derivative of the right to life, of course, and the right to self-defense. And I and I think uh, some of the people clouding the picture out there, the libertarians and the anarchists, think there is actually no limit to that to the acquisition of of a weapon for quote unquote self-defense. So in their minds, uh, you could, if you could afford it, own a nuclear weapon. Um, it's just market forces that prevent you from doing it, um, you know, but uh, to, th- to their minds, a howitzer is perfectly within uh, an individual's capability to own uh, grenades, rocket launchers, uh, real weapons of warfare, which I think the state has a, a place in regulating, right? We, we delegate force to the state um, to, to mitigate it in our daily lives, and, uh, and that would mean some form of regulation over certain types of weapons. But I have an issue with some of the bans that are being uh, discussed right now for reasons that we can talk about uh, in a few minutes. Okay, so um, yeah, I definitely hear like anarchists and sort of libertarian types, um, which are basically today's, in my perspective, today's new, like new conservatives, basically are a lot of them come from that background. and they say, yeah, you should be able to own a nuclear weapon. It's nobody's place to tell you if you may or may not. And yeah, I guess so it would be market forces like nobody will produce one and sell it to you. Um, or if you do own one, then someone else will get one, too. And you probably don't want that because then it'll be a very scary neighborhood. So maybe that's why you won't we don't have to worry about too many people having nukes. But yeah, generally, a lot of people that are more for <laughs> that are kind of more on the in their mind, liberty side of things, they see this, that there being no limit. So how do we, um, 
figure out the, the proper limit in your view of like what, how many guns or what types of weapons is, is there a way that you uh, approach this? I, I mean, I, I, I think it's a, certainly a difficult question, but I think we have to consider what it is, what are the possible threats that an individual faces. And I think the threats that an individual faces are, are not so um, different from those of what a police officer would face. We face in individual criminals, uh, uh, occasional uh, groups of criminals, and, and at times when the civil authority breaks down, mobs of criminals who are looking to uh, do bad things to us. So we should be armed appropriately to deal with those kinds of situations. Um, so I don't think we should be armed any differently than a police officer is armed. Um, because when, when, when push comes to shove, we are the first line of defense. The police, uh, according to the Supreme Court, do not have a, a, um, a, a legal, uh, they're not required by law to, to protect us. And 99.9% .9 of the time, when you are confronted with a, a dangerous situation, you are on your own. There is nobody coming to rescue you. There may be somebody coming to put tape around your, your body or the other person's body, but they're not going to intervene for the most part. And we saw that in Evalde, Texas. They certainly had an hour to intervene and did not. Armed citizens could have done a great deal of, of good in a situation like that. Um, so as the first line of defense, facing the same things that a police officer faces, I think we should be armed with the same kinds of weapons. Did you just say that according to the Supreme Court, police are not required to defend us? Isn't that true? Yes, they're not legally bound to, to, uh, to defend us. So what are they supposed to do according to the Supreme Court? Well, you know, uh, God knows. We live or, in a or, world okay, of paradoxes. Can you, can you tell me what you mean? Did the Supreme Court basically... What did the Supreme Court say? Perhaps, perhaps it's a matter. I don't know the exact. I don't know exactly what the ruling was, but maybe it's a matter of liability, right? Mm. So that um, people aren't suing police departments for not being Got able it. to be there in the moment. Um, okay. So you're on your own, and if you're on your own, you should be armed as a policeman is armed to defend yourself against what the policeman, uh, you know, finds himself confronted with. So the, I guess uh, in my mind, there are two different sets of facts. There's the situation we live in today in a, in a, in a world where we live in a uh, mixture of liberty and statism, where the police are a mixture of properly protecting people and oftentimes uh, chasing after preventive criminals. That is criminals guilty of selling drugs, of prostitution, of all types of black market activities that don't actually violate anybody's rights. Um, and off and most likely the police won't be available to protect you. That's kind of the situation we live in today, but we can also talk about the ideal. Like, so what would a laissez-faire society look like? What would be <laughs> your right? And perhaps in both cases, the answer is whatever weapons are necessary to protect yourself un until the police do arrive, because once the police are able and willing to protect you, then you should properly uh, kind of delegate that to them because they, it, that is the function of, of government. Right. I mean, I think your responsibility as an individual is to end whatever threat you're confronted with by whatever means you can. And, and uh, that may in fact mean killing somebody. Um, but that's your responsibility for your life, to your life, your moral, your moral responsibility. Of mm -hmm. course, if you can simply protect yourself until the, the legal authorities arrive and, and then you can delegate the retaliatory force to them, fine, that's, that's great. I've been in the situations like that before where I've, 
I've had to use a firearm against somebody and I, I did not have to fire a shot. I, I, I was able to subdue the person until the police arrived and, and took them away. Had I not had a firearm, I'm convinced there would have been injury and death in the, in the scenario, wow. likely mine because he had a weapon. And so uh, it's, it's very possible that me and the person who was trying to subdue this person as well could have been very badly hurt or, or, and or killed. So uh, the gun diffused the violence uh, to nothing, uh, produced no casualties, and we were able to wait until the police came and took care of the guy. That sounds like a very uh, incredible story. Um, and we're glad you're okay, obviously. Um, so you said we should be able to have the same weapons as a police officer has, which is usually what, like a, a really good pistol, maybe maybe a couple guns that they carry with them on their belt. But um, the, the recent events, such as these mass <clears throat> shootings, raised the debate about assault rifles or various like kind of heavy machine gun type stuff i'm not obviously not, uh, not on, on guns but go ahead there's there's there aren't assault rifles out there right now there's weapons that more or less have the same capacity with some greater uh firepower um but um they they have none of the capacities of a military weapon in other words they, they can't fire continuously with one trigger pull they fire like any other semi-automatic like my handguns with one bullet per per trigger pull so um the most of most of what people are agitated by are the cosmetics of a gun, not the actual functioning of a gun. And they're conflating the two and wanting to ban something that looks like a military grade weapon, which is not in fact a military grade weapon. But you, you raise questions that I think are interesting because a human being finds himself in various situations where he may have to defend himself against bad guys finds himself in his home where he may have to defend himself against intruders outside where he may have to defend himself against a robber and in a situation where civil authority breaks down. And I think for each of those circumstances, different weapons are required and different weapons have the capacity to end the threat much more easily with much less casualties. So people will say, for example, that the ultimate home defense weapon is a shotgun. Let's say a Remington 870 Magnum shotgun where you cock the four and it makes that that famous sound that terrifies the shit out of pretty much any robber in your house. People will say that is the ultimate home defense weapon. And you also might say that in the street, a a a good uh, a pistol that you can conceal and wear comfortably and know know how to use is a a very good defense weapon against someone in the street. And when it comes to um, civil disorder, where the civil authorities won't be there to protect you and gangs of human beings may come to your place of business to burn it down, to loot it, to kill you, to have their way and no police officers are going to stop them. Weapons like AR-15s and AK-47s are actually probably the best type of weapon you could bring to that fight. You have a high capacity magazine, and when somebody sees that, um, it's, it's going to have a great deal of force just by virtue of the fact that you have it in your hand, okay? Uh, let alone being able to use it, being able to deploy it. You have a much better, it equalizes the, the odds against the mob when you have a weapon like that. And that's what a weapon like a gun does. It equalizes odds. For women and the elderly, it makes them you know, as powerful, if not more so than the than the attacker or attackers that they're facing. And for the lone person against the mob, it makes them 
as powerful, if not more so than the mob that is attacking them. It's, it's very important that we um, understand that equalizing uh, effect and how it can actually reduce violence, right? Just, just yeah. by the simple fact that you see it, it's intimidation factor alone can reduce violence. Yeah. Now I'm trying to um, kind of separate the status quo from the ideal because in the status quo, yeah, we sadly live in a world where, you know, the summer of 2020 showed that the government was not up to the task of, in my, in my view, from, you know, from keeping the streets safe and keeping businesses safe. Many businesses and maybe even some residencies were, uh, you know, vandalized. Certainly businesses were. Um and also, yeah, we, we live in a we live in a gang ruled um, country in many areas, uh, drug dealers or other types of criminals, uh, whether you know whether or not drugs should be illegal, they are and people involved in them are often viciously brutal and the things you need to do to join a gang, you need to show them how heartless you are and how how uh, unemotional you are. And oftentimes they make you kill someone you love or they make you force somebody to hurt someone else, like all types of crazy things you need to do to join a gang. And often you need to join a gang just to survive in certain neighborhoods. So we, that's the world we're living in. And yeah, in this world, I can completely be sympathetic to that. There should be almost no limit to what type of weapon you can have to defend yourself. But what if we lived in a laissez-faire society? <coughs> then I guess we would basically kind of look at the, that set of facts and say, okay, what type of danger is probable would we say like what type of a danger is likely to occur and then and then decide what types of weapons are appropriate to be legal in that context i think that would be a standard i mean let's face it right now the gun prohibitions that they that they level after every single one of these tragedies um they don't they don't hurt the gang members that are terrorizing communities but they certainly affect the low-income people that live in in the proximity of these gang members who now cannot afford to purchase a weapon to defend themselves against these people who are obviously getting weapons outside of the law and for whom no laws would have uh, effects. And I, and I wish, I wish people understood that, but it's, it's the unseen casualties of those wars that, that don't affect them. They're not on their emotional radar and that's why they're able to pass these laws. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I, this is something we should probably talk about with someone like an Ankar Gatte, who's who's got you know much more philosophy under his belt as as to uh, as with respect to what kind of standard we use to judge what weapons are are um, you know justifiable justifiable in in de defense of one's own life under various circumstances and what what weapons need to be barred and exclusively the property of the state. Um, Certainly weapons of war, and I don't consider the quote-unquote assault weapon, the semi-automatic rifle, a weapon of war, but it's, it's, it's certainly a, a weapon of self-defense. Um, but, uh, but certainly weapons of war need to be uh, controlled by, by the state. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that's, that's a radical statement in the view of, some, of many people on, in the sort of, sort, sort of uh, liberty tent, I guess, to them. For you to put any limit on what weapon somebody could own is our fighting words. And um, and to them, to many of them, the primary reason that we have a right to own guns is to fend off the rise of dictatorship or to, you know, to <clears throat> overthrow the government if and when it becomes necessary. They would point to uh, Thomas Jefferson and they would point to various 
other, uh, you know, they point to various historical um, reminders that uh, there comes a time to overthrow the current government. Um, but basically, so far, we've only really discussed the right to guns for emergency situations with other with mostly with other civilians. So uh, how do you think about um, about the issue of, of owning weapons for the possible necessity of using them on the government someday? Well, in this respect, I think I differ from Iran. He doesn't think it. He doesn't think civilians can fight the government. But I think the government is quite intimidated by an armed populace. That's why they do. Uh, they do so much uh, towards disarming populations before they become dictatorial. Hitler did it. Stalin did it. Um, every every dictatorship pretty much does it. Um, and I remember when I, I said something about this online to somebody recently, um, they said in, in, in a much harsher fashion, sort of what Iran says, yeah, a bunch of hillbillies are really going to deter governments. Well, yeah, actually, in the past, a bunch of armed hillbillies have, in fact, deterred governments. Uh, armed Switzerland uh, deterred uh, Hitler from um, passing through there. He avoided it completely for a reason, because every single man of age had a weapon, and uh, it creates quite an obstacle to a forward progression of, of, uh, of a dictatorship. Uh, if, if the lessons of Viet Cong are anything, it's that an armed populace like uh, Vietnam, like the armed populace like the Viet Cong, um, did quite a bit to to throw off uh, the the American the American uh, military machine, as as did a bunch of uh, armed uh, third grade educated uh, villagers in Afghanistan uh, against the Soviet bear and, and and Ukrainians now being armed with weapons from the United States are doing a fairly decent job against a military machine. There are, and, and America itself, remember, that the, the folks that met uh, the, the greatest force in, in world history, the, the British Army uh, it, it, in 1775, were farmers, were hillbillies, um, and they were able to push back the, uh, the greatest force in world history at the time and eventually throw them out of the country. So yeah, it's, it is a deterrent. 350 million guns, 175 to 200 million armed human beings is a very difficult thing to overcome, you know, even with a big army, because eventually you got to send people in there to do, to do their, their business. And those people are, are going to meet stiff resistance and it's no fun. Mm -hmm. um, so is, is your view then that we, we ought to have the right, like we ought to have weapons to deter uh, dictatorial government, but they should not be military grade? My view is that you should have weapons in part to deter uh, criminal government, yes. They're to but deter not... criminals, period, but to deter criminal uh, governments as well. I, I have, uh, uh, look, to me, the, these, these, the compulsion to, uh, to um, only sell semi-automatic weapons to, to, um, to, uh, citizens is, is it, it's, it's a non-issue to me. Uh, it's just, it's just a non-issue. So I, I would, I, I wouldn't mind uh, a weapon that could fire uh, on one trigger pull a, a number of bullets. It's certainly more convenient for us. Um, but that's a politically incorrect uh, position to take in today's day and age. It's also an extremely difficult weapon to shoot, by the way. You have to, sh you have to know what you're doing to be able to use a weapon like that effectively. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of struggling to, uh, to kind of identify how these policies are going to be set, because in, in one, on one hand, certain weapons should be left to the military, it sounds like. But on, on, on the other hand, we need, we need to be the military in case 
we go to war with the official military. So, so who does, how do we decide at this point, which, which types of weapons civilians ought to own? Um, I guess is indeed. what I'm struggling with. It, 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 indeed, it's a, it's a difficult question and I'm not sure how to answer it myself. I mean, clearly weapons of mass destruction or, you know, uh, incendiary bombs, atomic weapons, uh, grenade launchers and, and, and things of that matter, um, I don't think should be in the possession of, of citizens, um, but they certainly should be able to acquire them should the government become uh, uh, dictatorial and go through the streets with tanks and you have no choice but to fight them with those kinds of weapons, then eventually you do have to procure them. And perhaps that's what the, the original militia was for. You know, a check, a check on state power, a, a civilian check on state power where weapons of that type were for civilian use, but stored only for specific purposes, right? Mm -hmm. um, at, at one time, that's, that's uh, I think, sort of the way things went with the American military. And maybe maybe it's okay to have that uh, today. I mean, we call, I think we call the militia the National Guard, but maybe there can be something uh, less formal, but as uh, deeply regulated, uh, you know, as, as um, reliable, let's say, who can, who can store weapons for the use of war in, on behalf of the people against their government, should that come. Yeah. Now, one thing uh, Yaron <laughs> Brook has said that I, I think I do agree with, which is like, if today we overthrow the government, like what's going to be put in its place, right? Like I am right. not confident in today's uh, anti-government forces. So what, what are we going to see? The, the Alex Jones, Alex Jones's idea of what a proper government is? No, thanks. So right. uh, for now, I'm I'm, I want to preserve the, the, the system we have and, and change it from within. Uh, we got a super chat from Stingy Student with $5 saying, what about tear gas and other accessories? If AR-15s are good for dealing with crowds, tear gas seems like a reasonable choice, unlike frag grenades. <laughs> fragmentation grenades. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, those, those fragmentation grenades are very deadly uh, stuff. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't thought out this, uh, this position so deeply as to consider things like that. Which, uh, which are non-lethal weapons that nonetheless give you the capacity to disperse crowds away from you. There, there may be something to it. We have bear spray, pepper spray, um, you know, civilian uses, tear gas spray, the civilian uses of that kinds of stuff. And it may not, it may not be too, too far removed from that to say, well, if you had to use uh, uh, some kind of uh, more military grade device to disperse people from your home, that, that might not be... Uh, a, a terrible thing yeah these are very very tough uh questions and like they 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 kind of like address a an almost impossible situation to deal with which is a a civilization in decline in a sense like it's just reason has been uh getting farther and farther uh, to the outskirts and uh people are increasingly irrational and at a certain point it's like i don't really know what how to deal with this yeah like you should be armed in case a giant mob of people come to kill you. You should be able to protect yourself from that. Yes, I, I, I don't disagree with that. It's also we need to find a way to get to a, to get to a civilization where uh, that is almost unheard of or completely unheard of, because um, that's kind of essentially what the uh, what is going to protect individuals. It's a it's a civilization of rational animals, as Aristotle mm. described us. Um, we got Bonnie, the member, saying asking, do we have the right to own guns because they're a deterrent to violence 
or because we have the right to act freely. I think it's it's the latter. Like fundamentally, it's we have the right to act on our judgment, and that's what our nature requires. And then in order to do that, we sometimes need to deter violence, and that's where the right to uh, in it, to uh, retaliatory force, I guess, comes in. So there's like yeah, my... yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say you have a right to your life and to take the actions appropriate to defend your life in in situations uh, that present themselves to you. And and a gun is the most effective tool. It's the most effective means of doing that. It's a it's a great equalizer. So it it shouldn't be uh, uh, minimized for it, the the empowerment that it can give people who aren't you know, who are weak, who are defenseless against uh, some of these people. God help us all. Um, well, we hope uh, we, this has helped some of you uh, think of the issue a bit more clearly and uh, also maybe a little bit uh, depressed everybody because some of these questions don't really have a, an obvious answer a lot of the time. The obvious answer is we need reason. We need um, a philosophical revolution. We need um, political liberty. And those are the main things I think that um, minimize the threat of force between civilians in my estimation of things. Coming up today at 7 p.m. UK time, it's Keith Weiner talking about the heat death of the economic universe. And then at 10 p.m. UK time, it's Life on Earth with Robert and Amy Nasser on Me, Myself and Sam Harris. Now that's wow. an interesting title. All right. There you go. All right. Thanks, Mark. Uh, good talk. And uh, everybody, uh, please leave a like and uh, leave a super thanks on this video on YouTube and hit that join button to become a member. See you all back tomorrow for the daily objective and goodbye. Bye bye.